0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Starside Chat. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me as always is Zach. How's it going, Zach?
1: Pretty good. Um, we don't have a lot of new games coming out lately, but there are a few that we can talk about. Um, but yeah, we got some news. Some, some news, big news. And some things that we've
0: been playing and watching. Um, but yeah, we, we we said we were going to start doing a Game of the Year watch, which I have still not come up with a name yeah. With yet. Yeah. Um, but... It's
1: tough in January. Tough in January.
0: <laughs> so it's not really going to start popping off, I think, until February.
1: February's a big month for releases this year, for sure.
0: So, we'll keep our on that, but uh, yeah, should we just dive into the news?
1: Yeah. So, Xbox and Bethesda are going to have a developer direct a, a certain sort of game showcase on January 25th, which is not going to have Starfield. Apparently Starfield's going to have its own like separate little sort of game showcase.
0: They made it very Um, clear. There was like a tweet where they were like, hey, we're going to have this big showcase and it's going to have Redfall and Minecraft Legends and Elder Scrolls Online and all this stuff. And then in a follow-up tweet, they were like, also Starfield is not going to be at this. (laughs) Just FYI, that's going to need its own full showcase just on Starfield, Uh, which I think is good. The
1: quote. The quote was, to dedicate the proper amount of time for a deep dive into Bethesda Game Studios, Starfield, a standalone show, is in the works. Yeah. Which, strange, because I feel like we already sort of had a, you know, deep dive, like, last year, and now we're just waiting for the game to come out. But, I mean, I guess I'm not opposed to more... We had,
0: I mean, <laughs> we definitely had a walkthrough of a mission, but I still feel like we haven't seen, like, the true... Depth and breadth of that game, sure. So, I'm interested to see. I really want to know. I don't think we're going to get another like walkthrough mission, but I do think we're getting like a systems walkthrough of Mm. like, here is a fully created character, and here is you interacting with your ship and things like that. Uh, which is going to be great, but I am also excited for this other, as we talked about, I think, last week. Neither of us really cared about Redfall, I think most of the world did not care about Redfall uh until we realized that it was not just going to be a left for dead it was also going to be sort of a far cry and so we're going to get a lot more information about that uh at this show uh, press conference
1: yeah so redfall like i i went back and read that article that you referenced in the show last week or two weeks ago whenever that was and yeah it it seems sort of similar to um Borderlands as well, Mm -hmm. where you have like four different characters as four different classes. Yeah, that's actually yeah, that's a good idea. And I, you might even be able to play it through in co-op. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but I'll be interested to see. I think that is true. I think
0: actually, uh, Borderlands is a very apt uh comparison because I think you're when you play you're locked into a character, but you can play with friends and they each play one of the four. Uh, so I think actually that is a very uh, a good description of it.
1: Yeah. So and I don't know if it has ever really been clear based on what they've shown so far that that was the case and that see. it was not just like a co-op Left 4 Dead style game. But. Have
0: they shown non-cinematic trailers? I don't remember
1: uh now that you say that i don't know actually i maybe have just checked out
0: every time they've shown a trailer because i was not interested in it like that was a time where i could just look back at my computer and start writing notes yeah uh so maybe they have like revealed this to us in the past but this will be interesting i don't care about i don't think anything else at this press conference though do you you could probably care about the elder scrolls stuff
1: Yeah, i was gonna say i'll be interested to see what they have for elder scrolls online stuff but other than that, like I don't really care about Forza or Minecraft or yeah, uh, whatever Minecraft else Legends show. is not
0: really doing it for me. I have to say, like I like Minecraft as a brand, but I think I like the pure experience of just being in Minecraft as opposed to these weird side games like the Telltale game or uh, other random stuff they've been putting out. So, but the yeah. Redfall thing, I predict they know Redfall is the thing most people care about, so I bet that will be the last thing they show.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. Um, it a little bit ties in maybe to uh one of our other big stories this week because, like, we talked about how Redfall is kind of a Far Cry style game, mm. supposedly. Um, speaking of Far Cry style games, Ubisoft has canceled three unannounced games, which is a little like I mean that's info for the investors and the board <laughs> because why would you even like publicly announce that three games that nobody knew about that haven't been announced are now just not going to happen? It's sort of not really relevant information for everybody else, I guess. But the relevant information is they delayed Skull and Bo- Bones again. No, no, this I don't. It's like a joke at this point. Like I really don't know how why much they longer keep bothering. Yeah, I don't know. Well, oh. so they, they've, you know, canceled these other games, but Skull and Bones, they are bound and determined to one day release that thing, I wonder but they just can't get around to it. I don't know what,
0: like, maybe there is something secret in that game that is just like, people keep playing it and being like, man, there is a secret sauce to this, but we can't really figure it out. But I don't know why you would be <laughs> spending all this money on it. Like, I, I can't yeah. imagine the amount of money they're spending on it over the past couple of years.
1: Well, and that's the problem here is because Ubisoft is uh struggling because I, they said their some of their games from last year didn't perform well like Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope yeah. and Just Dance 2023, which is a shame because Mario and Rabbids is actually great. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that game. But and everyone is sort of taking this news as, "Oh, you know, Ubisoft's formula is has become a little bit played out, and they've just sort of boxed themselves in, and now all they do is Assassin's Creed and Far Cry games, and they're basically the same game, just um, one's third person and one's first person. Yeah, and um, that's kind of what uh, Redfall's supposed to be, but I feel like people still like that style of game. I agree. It's just me. I'm all about that. Like Far Cry Three and
0: Far Cry Four are some are two of my favorite games. Like dropping in and just like. The fact that in those two games, not like in Redfall or uh, Far Cry 5 where you had you were kind of locked into stuff whenever you walked into a new zone. But in 3 and 4, you could just not do the story after a while and just go after things to increase your character. Like hunt the special animals that you crafted your like big holsters from and stuff. And it was great. And then you would do the story and you'd be super overpowered. And they gave you all these fun tools like basically a physics play bo- uh sandbox of just like well you can drive a car off a cliff and then have a a wingsuit like it was a great time and i would do it again
1: i mean i'm of two minds about this because like we talk a lot about how we do like that formula of like open world game we like the far cry style game but if they show me a trailer for another far cry game (laughs) i my eyes glaze over a little bit You, i mean that's true i'm I'm trying to think of the last like ubisoft game that wasn't mario and rabbits that i had any level of excitement for
0: yeah neither of us have really been on the assassin's creed train
1: it's because i feel like they've just sort of tapped that well too much and now like nobody it's just another assassin's creed game Mm -hmm. and but I like that style because I buy like Ghost of Tsushima and I, I bought that Ghostwire Tokyo, which is a little bit different. It's not quite the same style. Of but you're still roaming around in the open world. and Yeah. And we're talking about how we're excited for Redfall because it's, yeah. that, it's almost more like if they say it's a Far Cry style game, but it's not Far Cry. I'll be like, ooh, I'm into that. But when they announce the next Far Cry, I'll be like, I probably won't play that.
0: I don't know. It's, like,
1: it's a weird thing.
0: I don't know why I didn't get the latest Far Cry game that was like in Cuba where you had jetpacks and you could get like a little dog with a wheelchair. Um, on paper, it sounds like something I'd be really into, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just Maybe it's just too tapped, I think. You're right. It's something that there needs to be a new uh, piece to the formula for me to like get interested in it again.
1: And separate to us and where we're at with them, like generally speaking, if you sort of pay attention to like the critical reception and just like people that talk about the games industry, when they announce another Assassin's Creed or one comes out, there's like no buzz at all. So, I mean, I guess it like Ubisoft is struggling because they've sort of tapped out their big franchises and they're doing nothing with the Tom Clancy franchises they've got those that they could work with they've got like splinter cell and ghost recon and all of that stuff and they've kind of not really done anything with those i think there is something splinter
0: spell in uh, splinter cell in the works aren't they uh are they
1: i mean maybe it's one of the unannounced games they canceled i don't I feel know like
0: i remember hearing about that where they were either like remaking the original or they were like because i remember it was a big deal they were replacing the voice of sam fisher with someone but yeah now i don't I really vaguely
1: remember. remember that as well but i don't I couldn't tell you what that was, but...
0: That was a great... I mean, I played that one that had that great uh, uh, dynamic multiplayer where uh, two people were mercs, mercs versus Spies. There's that new multiplayer game that is basically just that. Um, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but I mean, I like a stealth game. I'm, I, I love a, a cool stealth game, I and mean, you very rarely get modern adaptations of that. Usually stealth games are in like in the olden days, like that Plague Tale is a, a great example of a good stealth game that's been recent. But yeah. um a stealth game, like a Metal Gear style Metal Gear five style game would be very cool.
1: Yeah, and they like they've also thrown a lot of money at Skull and Bones yeah. and what is that? Uh Beyond Good and Evil Two that just like nobody's heard of or I, heard I don't from know if that never is come, yeah.
0: there's been so many um, I think there's been like five E threes since we've heard anything about that. Yeah.
1: It's been like five years since they last talked about that game, I, I but supposedly it's still in the works somewhere. I guess. Um, so they're throwing a lot of money at games like that, and like it seems like nothing's happening with them, and they're canceling these other games, and they've got games that aren't doing as well as they thought, so I, it just seems like maybe management is really terrible at Ubisoft. And so... I, I Initially, when I saw this, I was like, ooh, somebody's gonna swoop in and buy Ubisoft because they have all those big franchises. But also like if they can't sell an Assassin's Creed anymore, like does anyone want those <laughs> franchises? I don't even know. It's I maybe maybe they can work some magic and reboot them or like change something about them.
0: I think part of it or is just also just like, they expanded too much. Like they have so many studios now. Like there's Ubisoft Montreal, there's the one in France, I think, and then I think there's one in yeah. Texas, I want to say as well, maybe. Uh, and I think one in Cal- maybe oh Seattle, I think. Because um, they were, I mean, for a while they were the hottest stuff. Like uh, everyone loved Assassin's Creed games, and they were pumping them out, uh, mm-hmm. and you would get you would get a Far Cry game and then like a year later you would get like a kind of a twist on the Far Cry game. Like there was Far Cry 4 and then there was Far Cry Primal and then there was Far Cry 5 and then there was Far Cry whatever the one in the post popular future was. Uh, and like it was a well-oiled machine, but unfortunately they were making things that no one cared about. And so now they're kind of like floundering.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a weird place to be and I don't know what's going to happen with them, but. Um, I also don't know what their sales are like. Maybe yeah. Assassin's Creed is doing fine, and it's just like not really getting as much love from critics as I think people you know, loved they would Ragnarok. Like. like I, they put so much
0: content in that game. I feel like they were releasing content Oh Valhalla, that game. yeah Valhalla, yeah,
1: yeah. And that's like another thing I think. Like, and this speaks to like a problem in the industry as a whole, and not just with Ubisoft, but like we're in a weird state where games are taking longer and longer to make Mm. and they're more and more expensive and like but the industry is also trying to move towards like less crunch and like being better for the employees and um i like i'll put the word out there to all the developers everywhere it's okay to make a game that's not 100 plus hours (laughs) yeah like feel free to make a game that's like 20 30 hours like we, you don't need to spend like 10 years working on a game. That's like going to take 80 to 150 hours to complete. Like you can, if the cost is too high and they're wanting to raise the the price of games and nobody wants that. And also it's taking people forever to make them and they keep having to delay them. People look at Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's like, I don't know how long, like our, our friend was playing that game he was like 150-some hours in, and I don't even know that he had finished the main story. And it's just like, <laughs> I look at that and go, I will never finish that game, so I'm not even going to bother buying it. So That said, though, it's, I would not mind spending 150 hours in Starfield. Sure. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like, so I found Ghostwire Tokyo to be refreshing because the main story of that game was like... Twelve hours, maybe. Mm. But if you wanted to do like a hundred percent it, and you wanted to like platinum it the way I did, I spent probably a solid like forty hours or so in it. Yeah. So I mean, it's a little also like the formula of Skyrim was great because there were like different quest lines. If you wanted to do just the main quest line, that wouldn't take too terribly long. That's true. But if you wanted to do everything, it you. spend a lot of time in that world. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's almost smarter to like break it up and have like multiple things. But even then I I, like we get back to the point where the developers are having to spend like seven to 10 years working on a game instead of the old like three to four years. Yeah. It takes an army now. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like people want games that are shorter and the developers are still trying to put, pump out these like enormous, extremely long games. Yeah. And I feel like I would be okay if they cut the development time and the overall length of the games in half <laughs> and you, you started working on that instead. But maybe that's just me.
0: Uh, let's talk about Stadia for a second. RIP Stadia. They did. Did you see that article Stadia. about how they released their final game this week?
1: Yeah, what was that? It was like, like a, a little, snake game. Yeah, it's a
0: little snake game that is for some reason being released this week, like three days, four days before uh, this the whole service just goes offline. But I mean, they released it, so I think I don't know if it's free or if you have to pay for it. I thought
1: I saw it was free to play. Yeah. But one last little hurrah with Stadia before the servers go offline for good. But not but the controllers. The, the controllers this is something people were, have been asking for even well before stadia was inevitably going to shut down mm-hmm. people have been wanting them to enable like the Bluetooth on the controller so that you could use them on PC and maybe even like your consoles as like a normal Bluetooth controller and stadia is finally gonna make it happen like just before everything is shut down for good they're going to uh, provide you a way to enable the Bluetooth so you can use it like a normal controller. So you can sort of keep Stadia alive in some weird semblance, but also you don't have landfills filling up with, with tons of controllers, <laughs> which I guess is good. But um, yeah, I like the Stadia controller. So having an additional option to use when I'm playing PC games is good for
0: me i'll be excited Uh, i so i have a um very old school afterglow if people are aware of that brand uh like xbox controller that i use for my pc when i'm playing stuff on like uh steam but uh, i prefer the stadia controller and i would love to be able to use something wireless Uh, so i'm all about this i i hope it's uh not like super buggy it's just like very easy to do
1: Yeah, I mean, you could already use it with Steam. It just had to be wired. Right, yeah. Um, So now it'll just be nice to not have to use it with the wire. So being able to use it wirelessly will be great. Um, What is this Dungeons & Dragons stuff? Okay, let's get into
0: this. How aware of this have you been over the past week?
1: Zero percent.
0: So Dungeons & Dragons has gone through a couple different uh iterations and the most recent one was fifth edition and it kind of blew up at fifth edition for a number of reasons uh, firstly uh, stranger things happened which was like oh everyone is like they pre- they're playing it in that and a new generation is like oh this is interesting secondly uh li- like real play podcast started so like critical role Uh, is very popular. I don't really, I don't uh, subscribe to that, but uh, even like super old school, I think the first people I ever heard playing D&D was maybe when I was in college or even high school when the guys who made that webcomic Penny Arcade, they released a thing where they were playing Dungeons & Dragons. I was like, man, this is pretty cool. And then also obviously like the Adventure Zone is very big. There's a number of uh, like content creators that now make their money off of being in dungeons and dragons and the reason they can do that and the reason that uh like there's like such a rich community of people making like uh you know other manuals for dungeons and dragons like uh there i follow a bunch of people on instagram who just like make custom items that slot into dungeons and dragons fifth edition like uh, they make really cool artwork for it, and they like put out the stats, and you can buy from their Patreon and stuff. The reason all of that's possible is because of the o- OGL, the Open Game License, which happened at Fifth Edition. Fifth Edition. So, oh, the OGL was basically like, hey, uh, you can you can make stuff that slots into our system, and basically, uh, it it saves you from being like copyright stricken. Uh, so. Critical Role and, like, the Adventure Zone, all these people that play Dungeons and Dragons, they're not, like, they don't have to pay money to d to do that. To Wizards of the Coast, I should say, which is owned by Hasbro. Uh, additionally, like, people with Patreons who, like, make maps that you can use and stuff. You don't have to give Wizards of the Coast any money for that uh that was what it was so uh then and also i should say another important factor in this another important player is paizo who we've talked about on the podcast before they made pathfinder which is uh kind of a it's it uses the language of dungeons and dragons like you know there are dwarves and elves and things but it was a big shift away i think it happened in uh fourth edition people were like oh dungeons and dragon fourth edition is like not great and so people just decided to make their own version of Dungeons & Dragons, which they, again, could do under the OGL. And they made Pathfinder. And the OGL is supposed to be not revocable, and uh, it's, you know, to infinity, it will be uh, acceptable to use these things. Um, a pa- a Paizo also made that Starfinder, which we talked about, which is like a space version. Dungeons & Dragons is having a new addition now, which they're calling... Uh, one D and it was leaked I think earlier like last week or maybe the week before that they're coming up with a new OGL an OGL 1.1 that uh is a lot stricter basically it disallows if you make a certain amount of money I think it's like $75,000 a year off of uh D D you have to like tell Wizards of the Coast that that's happening or something But then if you make like uh, $750,000 a year, or maybe it's not that big. I forget the exact numbers. But at some point, you have to start paying Wizards of the Coasts if you make some amount of money, which people are not into. Uh, Another part of this provision is that part of it made it seem like the original OGL was going to be invalidated, which was supposed to be impossible by this uh, new OGL, OGL 1.1, or they're calling it 2.0. Uh, People were not into this uh, because Pathfinder yeah. is basically built off of the OGL, and Paizo is like a very beloved community uh, of people who like make stuff and they've made tons of like adventure modules and things. Basically, it was a bad time for everybody. And so there were a bunch of campaigns that were like, hey, Witch of the Coast is having a, this is bad, this is bad stuff. So everybody remove, delete your. D&D Beyond uh, subscriptions because that's like where it will really hurt them. And so a ton of people did. Apparently an insider said that like it was in the five digits, the number of uh, account deactivations that they got within the span of like three we- uh, three days. And uh, I guess that made the higher ups at which the coast be like, oh man, what we've done is bad. Uh, <laughs> so they they were going to have a big reveal party for their new OGL on Thursday, but they canceled that live stream because they realized everything was going sideways. And they put out a statement like, Hey, their statement is bad. The, their statement, it starts with them being like, Hey man, Hey guys, we rolled a a critical one. Uh, whoops. (laughs) Uh, and it ends with this really infuriating thing where, but basically like, Hey, we didn't mean to do any of this stuff. We're just like trying to figure it out, man. We're all good. We're one of you. And it ended with them being like, uh, you know what, you're going to hear some people say that they won and we lost this, but that's not true. Actually, they won, but we won too, because we heard from the community. And it was just like (laughs) a bad time. Uh, Paizo responded during all of this, and they were like, hey, guess what? We're going to throw the gauntlet down, because the person who wrote OGL1 now works for us, and is basically uh, like, I think that they're maybe like their lawyer or something. Uh, so they're all about litigating Wizards of the Coast if they decide to go through with this. And they made what they're calling the uh, Open RPG something. The, the the initials are ORC, which is like an open game license that's actually open. And all these other companies signed on for that. Uh, I don't know if I've done a great job of explaining this, but I have been talking for a while. Uh, <laughs> but that's all I'm to say so. that... Uh, weird stuff is happening and I feel like Wizards of the Coast is not really backing down from this. They're just kind of waiting to see if the heat dies down. But one d d might be something that kind of fizzles out if they decide to go this route because people are... The RPG community I feel like is a very open community that wants like small creators to have a say in stuff and mm. like so many people have these like small Patreons where they're making like adventure content that's very interesting and unique and... If that happens to be like anti what Hasbro wants at the end of the day, they might shift over to something, a new version, like something that Paizo makes, like a, a Pathfinder thing. And I don't know, one d d might not have like the big commercial, like they're really primed. There's going to be a, a, a Dungeons & Dragons Amazon show, I think I read, that's in the works right now, as well as that movie's coming out this year. Uh, so Dungeons and Dragons is really having a moment, and this misstep is really like besmirching that. I feel like like people right now don't like Wizards of the Coast and are like actively looking for alternatives. Like I, I use that Foundry thing for Dungeons and Dragons, and on that subreddit, they're just like, I don't know if like Foundry is going to work in the new OGL. Like I don't know if they're going to take away us being able to use the Dungeons and Dragons license. So everybody shift over to this basically. Uh, And there's like a bunch of support for community for uh, Pathfinder 2.0. But yeah, it's something I've been following a lot this week and I thought it was interesting and I wanted to talk about it. Do you have any questions?
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, yeah, I feel like, you know, they're not going to put up with it and they like, another thing will sort of rise from the ashes yeah. of
0: this and that's what the original pathfinder was arising from the ashes of uh fourth edition or maybe three third edition i don't remember but basically fourth edition happened and people were like this is bad and uh so they'd made pathfinder and it kind of forked there was a fork and now there's pathfinder second edition which people are all into people love it's kind of a crunchier version there's more math involved but Actually, this week, I've been trying to learn how to play it. It's not as bad. It's actually got some very interesting things that are better than 5th edition. Um, But I don't know. I was really excited to check out that one D&D virtual tabletop, but now it seems like, I don't know, it seems like they're really trying to nickel and dime you. There was a quote from the CEO of Wizards of the Coast, or maybe it was Hasbro, some woman who was like, yeah, we need to, like, monetize D&D like video games are monetized. Like, we're not... We're only seeing the initial purchase of the rule books and we need to like see purchases after the fact, basically microtransactions. Which I think is what <laughs> one D D is trying to do. They are trying to migrate everything to be online, uh, where like your characters are online, your books are online, and you use their virtual tabletop so that you can basically buy hats for your characters, uh, which the community <laughs> is not into.
1: Yeah. Start getting into like weird NFT. Areas. Exactly,
0: and they were they were <laughs> of the mind when they put out this uh thing, this like apology. Basically, it was very poorly written. They were like, "Yeah, we were." This new OGL is trying to prevent NFTs from happening, or something, or like to prevent hate speech. Which uh, no, like I don't know what about like oh, content creators have to start paying us when they make a certain amount of money prevents NFTs. Yeah.
1: How does that in any way related? <laughs> but
0: I don't know. I think they were just trying to use buzzwords to get people on their side. Uh, but it's kind of a weird, messy situation that's still unraveling. And I really don't know. To me, all the cynical like comments I'm reading are like, yeah, they're just kind of waiting. They're going to wait until it dies down and then they're going to push this out. And because what they're I think the main push of this is they want money from Critical Role. They know that. Critical Role is a huge business. People are watching their live streams. They had, I believe, Critical Role has a Dungeons and Dragons TV show on Amazon. Uh, that's like based on their characters. And Wizards of the Coast is seeing none of that money, and they really they want to dip their hand into that. They want some money in their coffers for for that, even though they're not doing anything with it. So
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. It's they're interesting. Like, it's something I want to talk about. our
1: property, about. we should get a kickback for that. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, so yeah, that's really dumb. More but... to come.
0: I, I, uh, I'll update. I'll, I'll read more about it, and if there are updates, I'll, I'll talk about it on the podcast. But it's something to be aware of. If you are interested in Dungeons and Dragons, you are looking to get into role playing, maybe check out Pathfinder before you check out Dungeons and Dragons because most of that stuff is free. Their like pocket edition of their core rule book is like fifteen bucks, I think. Um, especially right now when they came out with their big. Paizo wrote a really good response letter when they were announcing their, like, ORC, uh, their Open uh, open RPG, something that starts with C, contract maybe? Uh, but they wrote this really great article, and they were also like, hey, guess what? If you want any of our books right now, use the promo code OPENDND, and you'll get 25% off basically anything in our store. So if you're looking to get into role-playing, maybe check out something like Starfinder or... Uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, or 1st Edition, really, and you can get some discounts, and it'll be uh, a good time for you in the coming days.
1: <laughs> all right, and with that, let's uh, move into the games that are out this week, or I guess as last week now. Uh, do you watch One Piece at all? I have watched the first uh,
0: 100 episodes, maybe. I stopped when they were in that desert place where it wasn't raining. And I never kind of hopped back on. But it was a period of my life where I was making a bunch of salads and watching One Piece, and it was a great time.
1: (laughs) It's been years, but I watched very little, just some of One Piece. Uh, Anyway, One Piece Odyssey, a turn-based RPG, is now out. Um, And that's, I don't know, I don't... uh, Some JRPGs, I feel like, get really grindy, especially. It seems like more the turn-based ones get really grindy for some reason. Mm. But also, I don't have any, um, like, real connection to One Piece. So I'm going to pass on this one. (laughs) Um, But it it seems like it's reviewing fairly well. Uh, And then another little game, Lone Ruin. I believe this is, like, a game that was, like, produced by, like, like, uh, super rare games or, Mm. like, Special Reserve, like, one of those games game companies that produces physical copies of indie games. Um, And it's like a twin stick shooter um, roguelite. And it looks pretty cool. It's got like kind of a nice art style to it. It's sort of of vaporwave. uh, Yeah, kind of vaporwave. And I think the soundtrack is pretty vaporwave as well. Um, I've heard good things about it, have not played it, but it seems like a, a pretty good one. And then the other one, uh, that's maybe the most notable of these three, just because I feel like I've heard about it more than the others, is a uh, Vengeful Guardian Moonrider, which is out on, I believe, PC and Switch. I don't know if it's on the other consoles, but this is like a retro sort of uh, Sega Genesis Super NES era style game that is very reminiscent of like a combination of something like uh, Mega Man and uh, Ninja Gaiden. Mm. And it's sort of a side-scrolling platformer. It's supposed to be pretty short, too. I think you can maybe complete it in, like, two to three hours. Yeah, but that's what I, people I've, were into it. That's
0: the one criticism I've read about it. Or not, not even a criticism, really. Because I, I think it was that Kyle Hilliard guy was uh, tweeting about it. About how it's, like, very short and sweet. Like, it's, uh, it's kind of a crazy how short it is. But it also, like, as you're playing it, you're loving it. And it looks really cool.
1: It does look cool. It's only like 15 bucks, I think, right now. It might be like an, an introductory sale. Mm. It's a weird thing where it launches on sale for some reason, yeah. and then it's like a couple bucks more to get it once that ends. But it does look cool. I like the art style of it. Um, I think you can use, if you play it on Switch, you can use that old uh, sort of Super NES wireless controller. If oh. If you bought that for Nintendo That's Online. Cool. So, yeah, that's a cool little thing if you're really trying to get into the spirit of, like, an old game. So this is one that um, may be talked about later on in the year. I don't know if you want to pencil this one into our, like, top ten somewhere just, uh, you know, because it's sort of the first notable game that's out. But I'm putting it in all right so far <laughs> the star side chat game of the year is vengeful guardian Moon this Rider. is the
0: top game of the year
1: so far top game of the year So like, now it's I'm going in and then another game that i can bring up here I, I added it into the what we're playing watching even though i've not been playing it because it's not actually out yet but a, a game called Ravenbound. have you heard of this no so this, I, I watched uh, one of the streamers that I follow off and on was playing this the other day. I guess they got like an advanced uh, copy from the developer. And it's I guess it's maybe early access, but like not everyone can get to it or mm. access it or play it. But it's basically an open world roguelite game, which hmm. is uh, something I don't know that I've seen before. Yeah. Normally they're like more sort of Hades style, where it's like a sort of isometric or even like a side-scrolling game if it's going to be a roguelite. But so it's it's very like fantasy looking, and you can get like before you start each run, you can kind of re-roll and get like a different character. And I I saw one of them; it was like a it almost looked like a khajiit was in the game <laughs> as a playable character. But they have like different stats and stuff. And then um, you select sort of which place in the world you want to jump in. And then you start out flying around. So basically, you fly as a raven and then you can land and do some combat and pick up some upgrades and like additional weapons and um, stuff like that. So you're sort of building up your character and there are bosses to fight. And then you can go. I think there are different like areas you you go to to be able to fly again as a raven. Mm-hmm. You like interact with it. And it'll send you up into the sky as a raven. You can fly around. But I, I like the graphics of it. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, um, it is coming to Steam, but I don't think they've said when. Like, I don't think it has an official release date just yet. But um, it seems like a cool concept. I I'm not like big on roguelike games, um, but this one seems different enough and interesting enough that I might try this out when it comes to steam.
0: Yeah, this I don't is, know, I'm watching the trailer now. It looks very interesting.
1: Yeah, it seems like a very cool game. And I, the open world is also not procedurally generated. It's like oh. It's been, you know, carefully designed and so you're not necessarily experiencing a completely different world every time. So you can kind of know, okay, I can go here to do this or whatever, or maybe like some of the things within the open world might be different each time, but like the world itself should be the same. Hmm. Um, Yeah, it it seems interesting to me.
0: Huh. This kind of came out of nowhere.
1: I haven't heard of this. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it until I saw that guy streaming. I was like, what is this? Uh, But it looked cool, like just watching him play it. So I might check that out. Well, what have you been watching and playing? Well, I have dipped my toes back into some games I didn't finish last year. I've played more Horizon Forbidden West and more Fire Emblem Warriors Three Houses. I'm trying to finish both of these before Fire Emblem Engage comes out, which I don't think is going (laughs) to happen. I I checked where I was at. I, I looked up the walkthrough for Three Hopes to see like what chapter i was on and i was like oh yeah i'm not (laughs) as close to finishing this as i thought i was (laughs) um but i've been a little bit more focusing on uh horizon because i think i am closer to the finish Mm. of that and also i would rather finish that between the two of them i'm so curious about
0: the ending of that game i haven't looked it up or anything but i would be interested to know if you could tell me if they left it open for a sequel
1: I, having not finished it yet, I'm sure that they, they do. <laughs> like, I'm sure this will be at the very least a trilogy, yeah. but, um, I got to the part in the main story where you learn to override of uh, the flying ones. Ooh. There's like a, I think it's a sun wing that you get and it's like a really cool moment cause you like, you get on the, the sun wing and you first are able to fly around, uh, and then you like it has you land on one of those tall necks Mm -hmm. and override the tall neck and then it teaches you oh so you're used to like when you override one of the other ones you can use it as a mount and so you you'll like uh hit the down on the d-pad to like summon your mount and run over to you and you can jump on the back and ride away uh but when you do that with the sun wing It will literally swoop down, grab you by the shoulders, and flip you up onto its back, and you'll just be flying, and it's pretty cool. (laughs) So, yeah, that was fun. And uh, I'm basically trying, I'm at the point now where I'm just, like, trying to mainline the story to finish it, and I'm not doing a lot of the side stuff, but um, it's very cool. Every time I come back to the game, I'm always, like, blown away by the visuals and just how incredible the character models facial animations and just like the lighting and textures look it's like one of those games i've started taking a lot more screenshots of especially yeah. like when it gets to um, like when you're higher up you can and you have like a crazy view and also like when the sort of magic hour and the the day happens and you get like those crazy colored skies and everything it's like really beautiful to look at mm. so, so yeah i've been playing more of that i'm trying to finish it and the story is pretty interesting i will see if uh, it leaves the door open for a third i'm assuming it will um also it does a little bit feel like um maybe not in so many words but they are trying to do something vaguely similar to mass effect 2 where it was like this one's about building your team mm. and So like you sort of have this like hub area that you keep going back to and you talk to your different team members and like even this late in the game, we're like still adding team members to that (laughs) little grouping and like talking to them and and they may even have like a little mission for you to do. So it's sort of like um, a lot of people will compare the second movie in a trilogy to like Empire Strikes Back and they'll be like, oh, this is this trilogy's Empire Strikes Back. I feel like. This is uh, the Horizon uh, Mass Effect 2 game. (laughs) Oh, man. So I I don't know that it it doesn't really go as far as like the loyalty missions for your teammates. I don't think even though some of them do have missions for you to do. It's not quite on that level, but it it feels vaguely similar in terms of like you're putting a team together. They're not like coming with you, though, right? uh there are some missions where they're with you but it's not like mass effect where you have like two squad members where you go out on a mission and you select the two that you want with you no but i also assume that there will be some missions later on where like you're still running around by yourself but like the other characters are there Mm. it'll probably be that kind of a thing but uh and then i've played a little bit more overwatch too i have conceded that i'm not going to finish the season pass this (laughs) this time um but they are currently in the middle of what is generally accepted to be the worst overwatch event of all time oh really what is it (laughs) yeah so i i think we talked about a little bit off air last week where their current event is built around this like free-for-all mode that involves like a handful of characters i think it's like uh reinhardt and um oh gosh why am i blanking on his name the big roadhog, and then um the new character who also has a name <laughs> my mind has gone to mush and then you have farah and lucio as the other characters so there are just like the five characters and it's just like okay but like a healer is not going to be a solid choice yeah, for Lucio is a crazy choice to include in that yeah when you're dealing with you know a dps character and three tanks like it's hard to 1v1 anyone with Lucio but it's especially hard to 1v1 a tank with yeah. Lucio um so like it's not even like a well balanced mix of characters and also people are complaining about Roadhog cuz he's like very strong in the current meta so like it it doesn't feel good to play this uh, free for all. Plus, like I never liked free for all in Overwatch to begin with because it's such a team based game that so many of the characters are built around either countering one particular other character or they're just built around team play. And so, I guess you could just play, you know, a ton of matches of Roadhog and knock out his uh, like event challenge mm. or whatever to get whatever title or or drops you get for doing that. But like even the event challenges are like super grindy. It's like play that mode and get 300 kills as Farah or whatever. It's just like nobody wants to do that. (laughs) It would take a long time and you'd have to play so much of that mode. And if you're just not into it, then it's like a real drag. But um, they did try to make it interesting by like giving you um, like unique ults for Uh, that mode and also there are like pickups around the world and similar to where you would go pick up like a health pack if your health was low there are other pickups that will like basically give you your ult that you can get or it like speeds up the recharging really fast and so you can use the ult more often and they are like a little bit different uh like lucio's i think you use it and then uh you have like unlimited fire so you don't have to reload or something Mm like that um but yeah it's bad people don't like it and so <laughs> i played like a handful of matches of that and i was like I- i'm good on this i don't need literally any more of this at all and so i just went back to playing the normal quick play stuff but i don't know i i still like overwatch 2 but i i am very hot and cold on it the mm. same way i was with destiny yeah. where i'll like get into it for a few weeks and then i'll just have no interest for a long time and then i'll come back to it again and I think I'm nearing the the end of my current level of interest in it, and I might be out for a little while. Yeah. So. But yeah, what have you been playing? Not really been playing anything.
0: I have been watching people play things, though. I've been watching some AGDQ. Uh, a couple of ones I wanted to point out, I think these are the ones I recommended last week, but the Breath of the Wild run is crazy because they've added some new tech to the run. It used to be all about... Uh, like stasising things and jumping on them and then uh, kind of like whipping yourself around the map but they invented a thing where you're basically you if you hold something and you like go backwards in a certain way you just fly across the map and so that completely changed the routing for stuff because uh, in the original one i think or i guess in like in earlier versions of the speedrun the first thing you wanted to get was stasis because that allowed you to hop all around. But now the first thing you want to get is bombs because bombs allow you to always have something to hold. And when you're holding something, you can activate this like glitch. Uh, Hmm. So it's crazy to see. The routing for the Great Plateau is completely different uh, and very interesting. And then when they actually do get to uh, uh, Hyrule Castle... They go in a totally different way than previous ones, uh, and it's just all... It's very interesting. If you're interested in uh, Breath of the Wild, definitely check out the run that happened this week. And then also, Gungrave is something I talked about, I think, last week or the week before, a game that I used to love on PS2 uh, for some reason. I don't know. The music was really great. I remember it after watching this run. is why I liked it. Uh, But... This is a really interesting run. It's uh, not like super mechanically interesting, but the the game is just I forgot how weird the story is, and it has a, an anime that goes along with it that I've never watched, but I assume is crazy. And then the other one that I watch, I've been watching, I've kind of been watching a bunch of them in a row just to see what I have like. Sometimes you'll run into one where the runner is not super informative, and you even though the game is interesting, you kind of have to skip it because they're not really telling you what you want. Um, but sometimes you'll get. A game you're interested in, as well as a very informative runner-slash-couch of people watching them. And one of those was Haiku the Robot, which is a game I loved from last year. Uh, and had a really good runner and a really good person commentating. And it's a very short run, because that game is very short. Um, but, man, watching it again, I forgot like how similar to Hollow Knight it is. It just takes so many cues from it, and that makes it a really interesting, fun game. And in, in some ways, I'm not going to say it's better than Hollow Knight, but I will say that I like robots more than bugs. That's like my one criticism of <laughs> Hollow Knight is like, yeah. it's very beautiful and cool and I love it a lot, but I don't super like bugs in general. Yeah. Uh, whereas like Haiku the Robot, like every one of the NPCs is like a very cute little robot that is like very coolly animated. Um, But that's a great run. If you're looking for like a really nice short and sweet run, uh, the Haiku the Robot run is nice and quick and uh very interesting i will say that the Gungrave run is cool but i think there's a, a false start in it as well as the breath of the wild run there's a false start where they have to start over um but it, there's like time code in the uh like youtube video to see like it'll say like runner runner introduction starts at this time and like first run starts run like resumes at just start at the run resumes at part uh and you can skip all the like technical problems and then i watched a movie zach uh yesterday i got together with some friends i was telling uh, you before we started recording and we got together and we watched a movie i got for my bur- or for christmas i should say i got a dvd about a year ago uh you're familiar with those red letter media guys right yeah um they put out a best of the worst special spotlight on a movie and i started watching and i watched like the first 5 minutes of it and then i stopped cuz i was like man i need to watch this and like not i need to experience it firsthand so i put it <laughs> on my wish list and i forgot about it for like a year and then my parents got it for me for christmas cuz it was just on my amazon wish list we got together me and my friends and we watched New York Ninja have you heard of that
1: no it's a very you must have missed that red letter media video it's
0: an interesting i would recommend not watching that video actually cuz you should watch the movie it's very interesting this movie uh so like it it was all shot in the 80s but then i think they run it they ran out of funding so it was never edited together and also all of the sound for it is like missing or gone they didn't shoot it with sound back <laughs> in the day i guess i don't really know how like film stuff works but i guess uh, audio was sh- like recorded differently on a separate thing so this company bought uh i guess the reels to it or they bought a bunch of uh film stock or whatever uh, from this bankrupt company that it had just been sitting in a warehouse for like 30 years. And they came across all of the footage, all the unedited footage for New York Ninja. And they decided to edit it together and like re-record all the audio, which is a feat because watching yeah. this unedited would be <laughs> insane. This movie, New York Ninja is a crazy movie that goes a lot of really weird places, but it is, uh, they did it. They they found the story. A lot of times you can kind of read people's lips so you kind of know what they're saying. But they found the story. They redubbed all of the audio to what they think people were saying. Uh, and now it's a feature-length movie that is maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, really? <laughs> it's very good. I don't know if you can get it digitally. Uh, I So I have the Blu-ray of it now because I I got it on Amazon, but... If you've seen it, or if you haven't seen it, I wouldn't recommend reading anything about it or watching it, watching, like, a review of it. I would just go watch it, and I would preferably do it with some people um, because, like, it's kind of like a... Did you ever see Miami Connection? No. Miami Connection, I think, is a a very good comparison where it is, like... Miami Connection was a movie similar to this one. It, uh, the main character is, like, the star in the writer and like the producer of it. And so they made a crazy Kung Fu movie back in like the eighties. And then no one heard about it for a long time with Miami connection. The reason it came back up is because like someone found, uh, like a fully completed version of it in again, like a warehouse, uh, somewhere in like Austin. And so they started doing like midnight movies of it. And people were like, this is the most amazing thing we've ever seen. And so it got a resurgence and they like put it out on Blu-ray and now everybody's all about it. But both of these were kind of like hidden gems that like, were made and produced in the 80s and then were forgotten for like 30 or 40 years or whatever. And now they're having this big resurgence. But both of those movies, I think, are wonderful classics that should be experienced. So uh, this isn't my parting wisdom, but if you're interested, definitely, you can rent uh, Miami Connection on uh, Google Play, I think. I don't know if you can do that for New York Ninja. But if you can't, I would recommend getting it on DVD because it's crazy, Zach. I think you would really like it.
1: I'm looking it up now, and it looks like it's on Amazon.
0: Yeah. uh, I got the Blu-ray special edition on Amazon. Um which is oh they
1: they are aware of it you can add it to your watch list but that you can't actually watch it yeah. directly on amazon unfortunately i hate
0: when that happens because you can search for stuff and they're like oh yeah this movie yeah oh, we can check you can it's check it's right this out. here and then you click and it's like currently unavailable
1: oh if you have a showtime trial mm. that's lame
0: i gotta say it's a hard recommendation for me i would say a double feature if you're getting together with some friends a, an amazing double feature would be Miami Connection and then New York Ninja. And I actually don't know which one I like more because they're both so good. Um, But both of them are just top-notch 80s movies that truly go insane places and have crazy acting.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch those for sure. Uh, What is your parting wisdom?
0: I feel like, and I have no reason to believe this, but I feel like we're going to get some Hollow Knight Silksong news soon.
1: What makes you say that?
0: I don't know. I just have this vibe that, like, I feel like it's time.
1: I mean, it's long past time, but
0: True. I don't know. I guess... I, on the Silk Song subreddit, people are always speculating about release dates, and a lot of people are saying, you know, they're gonna want to do something in February. I don't know why they come up came up with that, but they were like, oh yeah, it's definitely gonna be February, and so I feel like by the end of January, we might have a release date, and it could be in February. Oh, you know what it is? It's because I just bought... It's uh, You told me about that Hollow Knight uh, Switch edition that you bought with that map, and I also just bought that, and so that's, I think, why I've got it on the brain.
1: Well, so here's a crazy conspiracy theory. Uh, the January 25th game showcase from Xbox, what if the one more thing to that is Silk Song with a release date? Now, that would be crazy. Uh, I would, I would love that, (laughs) but
0: I guess we'll see. I mean, they said, and more games, right? They didn't say just like these publishers. They were like, this is going to be a showcase of these specific publishers and also other things, right?
1: Uh, I'm trying to find the exact wording because I don't remember that, but maybe they did. I'm pretty
0: sure it ended with and more. That would be great. I feel like we're so close to it, Zach. I'm, I'm ramped up on it.
1: So that that would be my first uh, bet if I were betting on where it would show up would be an Xbox One just because I feel like it's been shown at Xbox things it's been in shown the past. on directs though also I feel like no one
0: truly owns Silk Song the Silk Song announcement I feel like they could do it on their own if they wanted to.
1: Well, and so the other option I was gonna point out was I'm sure Nintendo's got a Nintendo Direct for like usually they will do one in the first half of the year. That's yeah. like here's what's coming this summer, yeah, or the first half of the year or whatever. True, I'm sure they will do one of those. Maybe even in February if they do a
0: direct that is Silk Song related and Breath uh, Tears of the Kingdom related, and we get both of those info dumps <laughs> and a release date for Silk Song in the same direct. That's going to be a direct for the ages that will be talked about for years.
1: <laughs> it will be the Nintendo Direct to end all Nintendo Directs. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that will be the case, but maybe. I got the vibe like it's going to happen. When, when would your release date guess be?
0: I don't think it's going to be in February. Um, but I could see April.
1: I'm still like crossing my fingers that this starfield thing like they do their deep dive um like shortly after this other one that they're gonna do and then they're like oh yeah this is coming in march
0: yeah i could i i think march is a very safe bet for starfield but they also they got to give us time to pre-order it like i feel like they really need to get out of the head of that and just be like start buying it right now so they can have their record sales numbers and so every day we go without them announcing pre-orders is a day where I feel like it's going to take longer to get there.
1: So how much time is there between past E3 and like whenever they would release stuff? So like November. Well, I mean, probably
0: the quickest turnaround I feel like was, wasn't fallout four. Like here is our deep dive on fallout four at our Bethesda press conference. And also it's coming out in like August.
1: No, I, I, Did it come out in August? I feel feel like like they always release. I know, like it did. It was like here's the announcement of the game, and also it's coming out this fall. Yeah, that was
0: crazy because it was like the first time we'd ever heard of it.
1: But uh, I don't think it was August. I feel like that was too early. Oh, you're right. Usually they usually they release stuff in November. Yeah,
0: it was it was uh, November 10th. Yeah,
1: 2015. So I I don't know if they're it'll be different this time. I mean, it probably will be, but I mean, however many months between that announcement and that drop, I feel like you could probably speculate that if they do do a deep dive here in like maybe the first week of February Hmm. on Starfield, add like six months onto that. Yeah. Six (laughs) months. They said first first half of the year.
0: Yeah. It has to happen before like June,
1: uh, june would be this uh the sixth yeah, month you'd think <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> i i feel like they're also a little bit trying to avoid breath of the wild yeah like you don't want to release even within like a month uh after it would hurt both of their breath bottom of the wild. lines for sure yeah but I mean same thing for Silk Song. I mean maybe they're because they're an indie game they're a little bit immune. I think to it's that, more
0: niche. But... Yeah, I think that uh it could release whenever. I mean obviously they don't want to release on the day that Breath of the Wild comes out. That would hurt them the <laughs> most probably. But uh I still man, I I think you asked me this question like last year at some point, but I still don't know if Breath of the Wild and Silk Song came out on the same day. I don't know which I think I would do Silk Song first.
1: Well, so let's go full chaos. Let's say Starfield, <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom and Silksong all release on the same day. Which one are you going to first?
0: I I kind of would do Silksong. I I mean, well, I don't know. It's so hard to know because <laughs> I, I I have a deep desire to dive into the character builder for Starfield and like start creating yeah. my character and just to see how deep that is and to see the first I mean Bethesda does a great job of the like first like five hour tutorial. Not even five hours, but like their tutorials are great. And they like uh Todd Howard said there's like two like walking out the door moments, which I think we all assume are like walking out the door of the main of the first planet and then getting your starship and walking out into the whole solar system. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like uh the first hours of Starfield are gonna be very good and yeah. so it's hard to deny that but i also think that the entire experience of silksong is going to be great
1: yeah i, I mean i don't want to shortchange uh, tears of the kingdom because i think that'll be great and oh, probably yeah. will end up being like the game of the year probably. for the vast right. majority of people but i i do think i would probably start starfield first yeah
0: it's hard i mean hopefully we don't have to make that sophie's choice
1: yeah I mean, I, I am a little bit outlining an insane situation that will never actually happen. But <laughs> you got to know that you got to have answers to these questions. It's true. Just in case you're presented with complete chaos, how would you re- react? <laughs> yeah. And that would be that'd be how I would do it. But uh, my parting wisdom, I actually have a little bit of parting Ooh. wisdom. I've been doing my spring cleaning in January. Yeah. And I think there's like an office line where they do that one one time they're like, you know what you don't have to do in the spring if you do your spring cleaning in January, anything. (laughs) And so (laughs) I have like gone through my cabinets. I had some old dishes and mugs and stuff that like, I have too many mugs. And I, so I boxed up a bunch of stuff and clothes and Just old stuff that I have around and I took it to Goodwill, got it out of the house, freed up some space and, uh, it felt good to just like clear out some stuff. And, uh, so I recommend doing your spring cleaning in January. A great tip. Yeah. And on that note, why don't you go ahead and follow us on all the things, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Cafe. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.